Howdy, and welcome back to episode four of season two of the Texas Private School podcast. As always, I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tallis, and I am joined today by Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder, as usual. Ryan, I'll go to you first. How are things in Stillwater, and what do you think of the action we saw the last week in private school football? You know, uh, it was pretty, you know, for all of us, we kind of made the same picks last week, and, uh, you know, whether that faded out good for us or bad for us, we'll talk about today, but... Honestly, doing well in Stillwater um, and, uh, you know, not too hot up here yet. I mean, I'm cooling down a little bit, I'll say. Uh, I envy you. Uh, Walker, College Station, how do how, how's it been? Uh, it's been good. You know, we have a little bit of the rain since this tropical storm has hit, but, I mean, not too much. But uh, it's been good, you know, just living life. Yeah. Overall, overall quick thoughts of the action from the last week. Uh, f- for high school? Uh, yeah. You know, it was good. Some shocking games happened, you know, with some not upsets, but just shocking wins, I guess. Uh, and that we and some of them we got very much just flamed for and we'll talk about later. But, you know, it is what it is. It's high school football. It's what makes it awesome, makes it the best of the best. Completely agree. Before we uh, we move into our private school fo- football coverage, I'd like to uh, I'd like to mention really quick, Texas fans. I'd hate to be you right now, but that's all I'll say on that. We'll go into last week's picks first. What? You seem surprised. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Absolutely. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna dance on their grave when I get the opportunity. <laughs> Going into I'm, last I'm, week's, I'm a Big Twelve guy myself, so I I'm right there with you. <laughs> I go horns down for life. That's all I gotta say. Uh, hey, I'll, I'll send you the graphic of me on the broadcast for. I, I'm on the horns down. Yep, we'll put that right there. Yeah, there you go. That's please, please that's do. Me. That's me. After an interesting cold open, we'll now recap our last week's picks and overall pick records. Ryan still in the lead at week four at nine and four last week. He's now thirty-one and nine on the year. Walker also went nine and four last week and is thirty and ten on the year. I pulled a rabbit out of the hat oh, with Saint Pius pick. I went mm. 10 and three last week and I'm now 29 and 11 right on the heels of Walker and Ryan. You know, I, I mentioned to y'all before we started recording, I think that St. Pius pick is really the turning point for my pick record, but we'll see. I still got a long ways to go and a lot of terrible picks to make. Uh, Ryan, you are, you are the resident leader of the pick record. So I'll go to you first. What do you think about your pick record so far? We'll skip over all the St. John stuff because we'll get to that later. Uh, what, what do you think? Honestly, me and Walker made the same exact picks last week on every single game. So we didn't even talk for, about them. We didn't even yeah, talk about them. We just no, like, really. And so, honestly, if you're being, if we're being completely honest, there really was no change for me and Walker. Um, and we really made all of the same picks the three of us did, except for the St. Pius game, which happened to go in the favor of Wes and Bishop Lynch. What are you doing? I'm going to cry in the club for you. Put my little Marvin's room Drake on while I, you know, cry in the corner. But no, honestly, like it was the only game that was picked differently between the three of us. And, you know, I mean, get your worth out of it, Wes, because I'm I'm soaring. I'm soaring. Let's pick record. Walker, uh, nine and four in the last week, 30 and 10 overall, second on the picks list. Your thoughts on your performance up to this point and your performance last week. I mean, just like last week, I'm I'm right behind. It's only one pick different. You know, I'm going to make sure, you know, there is – he he will have no idea what my picks are. We will have no idea. We're going to go into it just no knowledge, and we're going to make our picks. 
and I, I feel and I believe in myself to come out on top. So I think it'll be really interesting because the five games that we're going to preview before we get into all the other ones, I think those five games are all very close matchups that'll that'll probably start setting us apart pick record wise. But we'll see. We got a long way to go before we get there. Now, transitioning into our players of the week in the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week, one that I really, really enjoy because I love six-man football, Walker Nall, 22 quarterback, Waco Vanguard. He went 27 for 33, 561 yards. Here's the kicker. He threw 11 touchdowns and a win against Hill Country Christian. 11 touchdowns. That's something that you can only see in six-man football. And I've, growing up, I've watched a lot of six-man football. I had friends that played at a school called East Texas Christian Academy. That They played six-man football. I, I love consuming it. And Walker sent us, uh, whenever the, the nominees came out, he sent us this kid. And he was like, we have to, we have to give it to him, right? And I was like, yes, 100% we do. I love this. So, Walker, I'll turn to you first. Walker Nall, 11 touchdowns. For the senior from Waco Vanguard, what do you think about it? I mean, first of all, you know the guy's name Walker. Just do it better, you know. Like you, <laughs> like you said last week, the Wesleys and the secondary are just better. Walker's just overall are just talented dudes when it comes to playing football. So shout out to him. Um, and then looking into more stats, he didn't just do it on that side of the ball. He also did it on the defensive side of the ball as well. When looking into it more, five tackles, two interceptions, one tackle for loss, one PBU, and a fumble recovery. The boy went off this last week, man. Um, you know, he gave him getting a little recognition around the state this past week. And shout out to him, man. There's nothing better than watching a kid from a smaller division just ball out uh, and just succeed. Uh, I always love to see that. He had a great, great game. And, yeah, hats off to him. 100%. An absolutely incredible performance from Walker and all. Ryan, what do you think of, of the six-man quarterback getting player of the week? So are we sure there wasn't just like six of him on the field and then all the stats went to him? Like there's just, what, what 11 touchdowns that like, I don't know if I understand that. Then again, I haven't watched enough six man football to know how all that works. So Wes, you've obviously watched your friends play. You may know more, but I, I'm pretty sure they just had six clones of Walker Nall on the field. So that's, that's, that's my analysis. I'd like to clarify. I watched, I'm sorry, guys. I watched really, really bad six-man football. So they never, as a team, they never scored 11 touchdowns in a game, let alone one (laughs) player do it. And when I say they didn't come close, like I don't think they ever cracked 20 points, but that's a whole different story that I've told before. (laughs) But, I mean, congratulations, Walker and all. I really like seeing this kid get player of the week just because we don't get to shout out six man a lot but i really really enjoy seeing it walker we have an honorable mention which is something we've never done before and i'll let you take this one away and explain to us who the honorable mention is and why he's getting this yeah you know bryce fusick from houston strike jesuit the quarterback over there the 23 quarterback uh kind of balled out this last week you know i just we just first of all you know walker Nall, like he said above anyone else but for how good of this stat line was this past week, I had to at least mention them. Uh, 25 of 36, 454 yards passing and seven touchdowns, and also a rushing touchdown versus DeCaney. I mean, that's just a dominant performance as well. And it's a, you know, being in UIL, they don't get talked about as much as private schools. But I mean, Houston Trick Jesuit has always had talent, just elite talent over there. You know, they had 
guys last year go power five and they have a couple guys who have the possibility of going power five again. Um, yeah. Shout out this kid, man. Just balled out. Um, great performance. hundred percent. I mean, 454 yards and seven touchdowns just on any stat line is insane. So we 100% had to add him here. I mean, obviously there's no way we could go through this episode without mentioning that. Uh, Brian, what do you think of the stat line from the straight desert quarterback? That's like Walker said, UIL is a whole different game, and I have to give it to him because any other week, any other week, it would have been him as player of the week. But this uh, 11 touchdowns, can't really beat that every now and then. So um, seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns total, still very impressive. And uh, um, shout out Boyd Bryce, did well. 100%. And now we move on to the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, Sean Kane. Class of 22 linebacker from the Woodlands Christian. He stood out above like everyone else, but there were so many kids that were deserving of it this week. But as for Sean Kane's stats, we have 13 tackles, three sacks, one interception, five tackles for loss. And just if that wasn't enough, he added a punt block on the end of that. I mean, that's just absolutely insane in a win against Katie St. John's. I mean, we know that there are some ballers down there in Houston at the Woodlands Christian. This stat line is not something I expected to see. I mean, 13 tackles in a vacuum by itself is, is incredibly impressive. Then you tack on three sacks, a pick, five of those are tackles for loss, and then just a punt block is icing. I mean, I love it. I mean, that's just someone that's getting their nose to the football and just finding plays everywhere on the field. Walker, Sean Kane, 13 tackles. It would take me too long to read all the other sacks or all the other stats. What do you think about it? I mean, I think, yeah, let's talk about the sacks for a second. Being a linebacker, you know, that's very impressive to get three sacks on the, you know, on the game. He's not a defensive end. He's not on the D line where that's your job, basically, get the get those sacks. He's a linebacker. That means he found his goal, he found his gap, made sure he was doing it right. And made that play. That's very, very impressive. So shout out to him. He put up a great, great stat line. And I know the coaches down there, when I went and talked to them this summer, speak really highly of this kid, you know, got to interview him, good kid. And I was really excited to see him progress this year. And, you know, he already started off strong. So Ryan, Sean Kane, an absolutely crazy stat line. Your thoughts on the class 22 linebacker? Yeah, I mean, I love it, honestly. I love uh, just the effort you put forth, right? Because you're the leader of that defense, and you proved to be the leader of that defense as well. Uh, nothing really more to say than, you know, the fact that you can have a sack, an interception, and a pump block all in the same game. I uh, I don't know if I've seen that every now and then. So, shout out, Sean Ken. You, uh, you had a great game, bro, and uh, keep it up, man. Yeah, no, it's a stat line. I don't know how often we will see again. But that wraps up our Texas Private School Podcast Players of the Week. I mean, big shout out to both of those guys. They obviously balled out just incredible performances by the both of them. Now we move on to our discussion of the last week's matchups, starting with Dallas Christian versus Argyle Liberty and a game that I described as resembling an Alabama LSU game a couple years ago that finished around this, this same score. I mean, it was an absolute defensive slugfest. The game ended in a seven to six win for Dallas Christian, but that defensive slugfest was to be expected coming into this game. Defense or DC has proven it will be nearly impossible to score on this year. And they proved it against one of the best teams in Division One under new head coach. Oh, I think you've heard of him, Jason Witten. 
Um, I mean, it was just a great performance by them. Class of 22, Gabe Grubbs was a defensive MVP of this game by far. He was also someone that I almost gave defensive player of the week to. With, you'll see why this stat line came in with 13 tackles, 10 of them solo, three tackles for loss, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an interception, and a sack. Holy fill in the blank. This kid is going to make a case for state defensive MVP this year if he keeps putting those types of numbers up. But, I mean, we got what we expected in this game. I mean, maybe not the score. I didn't know it would be that low scoring, but I expected it to be close. I expected Dallas Christian to pull it out in a close one, and it's just showing that D.C. might reform into the rolling ball of chainsaws they were last year. Walker, D.C., Argyle, Liberty, uh, two incredible teams. What do you think both teams take away from this game? Yeah, you know, I was trying to, like, I was at my game. I was at the Woodlands versus Bridgeland watching future AM guy Connor Webman play. But, you know, I try to keep up with it on my phone, at least, you know, making sure before I headed back to College Station. And looking through Twitter, looking at this game, the thing about it is Argyle could have won it. You know, at the, I forgot what, what quarter, what it was. It was fourth and goal at like the 10 yard line. And they had a shot to either, go for the touchdown or kick the field goal. And that would have put them up nine, seven, and that would have won them the game. Looking back, of course, Jason Wynn would have, of course, went that route, but he decided to go for it, trusting his guys and end up with like a 10 yard sack. And that play pretty much, you know, cost him the game because after that, there was no more scoring anymore in that game. So, you know, that's probably one that for, you know, new head coach, Jason Wynn, that's going to some one of those plays, you know, one of those calls that's going to haunt him a little bit. But I mean, that's football. You, you live with those decisions. You have to over, overcome those to come next week. But that also shows even though they did not lose, it is close and D.C. could be beatable. And so they're not, you know, the Superman of this year and just can't get beat. They can and they will be tough for them. So I think seeing how much they're probably on that elite, elite, sorry, they're on that elite tier of like private school programs in the state. And I think that submits themselves after this, you know, long run of like uh, D1 teams back to back to back. Um, but yeah, freshman, freshman quarterback again, did it again, 11, 18, 156 and a touchdown. I mean, having a guy like that, they trust them a lot. And I'm excited to see this team progress. They had a very, very tough first three weeks for this team, proving themselves against the best in Division One, Not the best, but proving themselves against the Division One teams. So it was interesting. It showed also that this Argyle Liberty team, they came to play and they got the talent to do it because that, that, that game shows that defensive side of the ball for Argyle Liberty can hold down an explosive offense like they are who've put up, you know, 30-plus points the past two weeks. So that defense led by Christian Driver, the Penn State commit, it's going to be something special to watch this year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see how both these two teams take this game and develop from it. Obviously, there's two different paths. Argyle goes down the D1 path. D.C. goes down the D2 path. D.C.'s path is significantly easier once they hit district because – that division in D2 is going to be down or that district in D2 is going to be down significantly this year. But we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get closer to district play. Ryan, D.C. versus Argyle, uh, incredible game. What do you think about it? And what do you think both teams take away from it? 
here, I'm, I'm going to give the positive. I'm going to give the negative here. And, and, and I'm sorry if anyone takes this the wrong way, but I just want to say this right now. Argyle, your defense is absolutely incredible. I love that you played that well against the Dallas Christian team that obviously has had an explosive offense for years on end. Um, and, you know, and it's not your fault that you didn't score a lot of points because DC's just also got that amazing defense. So if anything, I have so much love for that Argyle defense and y'all played extremely well. Um, what I don't have love for is that kicker. I, I, I'm sorry, man, but like, it's like, you know, it's an extra point. And then you also had a field goal, which for my knowledge, if I can do the math here was less than 30 yard field goal to make, to like, to win the game. And I obviously realized stress and all that kind of stuff, but man, bro, I mean, you just look back on that and, and you wonder like at this point, does, does, you know, does Jason Witten try to make a change or something like that or, you know, what, what can you do at this point to, you know, to try to adjust for that? Cause I just, you know, you might want to think about sometimes in those situations because they came down the field. I mean, they really did come down the field to try to go score and uh, a couple of penalties helped them out get down the field, but man, you really wish you would have had a, had a field goal in you or an extra point in you to at least send you to overtime. Right. So um, good defense by Argyle. And uh, I, I hope they can, uh, they can tough it out in D1 once they hit a uh, district play. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'd like to call back to the uh, – I mentioned there's that meme of the Grim Reaper going door-to-door last week, and that was D.C. with the Division One teams, and they, they fulfilled they fulfilled the meme prophecy. They uh, they took it to all three D1 teams. you got to take your hats off to them. I think they're going to be really good this year, and I also think Argyle is going to be really good this year. So I think these are two teams. Obviously, not the last time we'll talk about them. Uh, we'll delve more into them as their other games come up. Now we move into a game that I actually went and covered in Dallas Bishop Lynch at Houston St. Pius. And really quickly, I want to give a shout out. Um, I probably had like between six and 10 people stop me at St. Pius and tell them or tell us, thank you for the work that we do. And I really, really appreciate that. I mean, obviously we do this because we love it and we do it because it's getting exposure to kids that otherwise wouldn't get much exposure from traditional media. But to hear that from y'all really, really means a lot. And as a school, you were probably the most hospitable place I've been so far. And also I, I got a nice hat because I, I picked St. Pius and y'all two picked Bishop Lynch and they were, a parent was very, very appreciative of that. So he's like, I want you to have a hat. So I, I was greatly appreciative of how warmly us as a podcast were recept or were received down there. But in terms of the actual game, this was a turning point for my pick record. I mean, this game was the epitome of why we love Texas high school football. It was back and forth until literally the final whistle. I mean, Lynch got a massive fourth down stop where the terrifically talented John Paul Savant batted down a pass attempt that seemed to seal the game with 145 remaining as St. Pius turned the ball over on downs and Bishop Lynch got it like the St. Pius like 10 yard line. However, with 51 seconds remaining at roughly midfield, the St. Pius defense came up with a fumble that put them in position to drive half the length of the field and score. And as I so elegantly stated in my tweet, Bedlam in Houston occurred. Kale Skinner threw an absolute dot to Jackson Mobley, which won St. Pius the game at 17 to 13. Now, I'd be incredibly ignorant not to mention senior running back and also rugby player, which you could tell by his play on the field, Burke Battenfield. The kid was an absolute workhorse for the entire night. He also clocked 12 tackles and a 
sack for the St. Pius defense that for the most part kept Isaiah Schmitty from running completely wild. I mean, teams need to keep an eye on Battenfield moving forward. And also Carson Hintz was someone that was nominated for our defensive player of the week. He was also one of the leaders for St. Pius on defense. He tallied 15 tackles. Uh, Ethan McMinn had eight stops and his fourth interception on the season. Just a lot. of It was a really it was a gang effort from St. Pius on defense to really keep what we thought would have been a very explosive Bishop Lynch offense in check. In terms of Lynch, uh, Schmitty was the player of note to talk about as he was really their main source of offense, at least on the ground. Uh, he had the longest play of the game, which was a roughly 70-yard touchdown that we can put on the screen that we grabbed from our Twitter. I mean, it, just an absolute sprint. The kid's incredibly talented, and it will not be the last time we discuss him. But I just said a lot. Um, St. Pius looks like they're on a, on a good path. Walker, what did you think of the outcome here between Lynch and St. Pius? I mean, when I, I remember just texting you during the game, and I was like, hey, so how's it going, all this? He's like, I mean, it's a pretty much a good game, you know, and all this, but I think, you know, at the very end, I remember you texting me something like, oh, yeah, I think Lynch got it. And then I remember looking at your tweets, and I was like, oh, snap, that was not how it worked. <laughs> and, um, I mean, that's just, you know, like you said, it's just great Texas high school football, man. It's what you love. And shout out to those guys. You know, you know Carson Hintz, like you said, one of the best defensive players in private school, especially in Houston. Um, great player. And they've always done really good with those rugby guys. Rugby, from just what I can tell, is a very big deal there down at St. Pius. And, the, you know, a lot of those guys come and play football, of course. And those guys are very talented dudes. Um, I like that guy over there, Bishop Lynch, man. The Schmitty, like you said, is a, just a workhorse, a baller. Very excited to see him grow and kind of give keep them in games the rest of the season. Um, yeah, but sound from you, I won't say too much because he pretty much wrapped it up, but yeah, great game. No, a hundred percent. I really, really think that both teams have, have a clear path to get back on the right track from this game. Uh, Ryan, what'd you think of Bishop Lynch, St. Pius? Bishop Lynch, man. Oh my goodness. You're going to let me down. You're going to let me down. No, I'm just playing. Uh, good way for using St. Pius. I love close games. I really love close games. It makes, you know, Mix, I mean, it probably made Wes's job like a lot more fun to go to. I mean, that's it's not you, you hate driving all the way to some of those places just to watch a blowout. So, um, definitely probably a fun one for Wes, I would assume. And yeah, no, I where's my St. Pius hat? I, I don't, I, I want my St. Pius hat. Oh, come on, but I guess I didn't pick them. And Bishop Lynch, I, I, I do want to say 100%. I mean, I, Isaiah Schmidt, like, what a good game. Um, yeah, put the ball in his hand every single time is all I have to say. I mean, it might they might be able to, the defense might be able to you know figure it out when you start giving it to him every single down, but I don't know. I just feel like he could do it. To be honest with you, yeah, it's ten yards a carry. I I mean, if you're averaging a first down to every carry, I don't really know uh, what else that more than a team can ask from you. So uh, yeah, good game for him and uh, overall good win for St. Pius in general. I mean. I wish them the best, and I wish my Friars the best, too. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And you're right. It really did make my job really fun. It's funny. I know for sure if you go to um, if you go to the video I posted 
of them throwing that winning touchdown pass. You can hit, literally hear me like you can hear me like giggle in the background of it because I was so like it, it, <laughs> made, it literally made me like giddy to watch just because I mean I've been around football like that my whole life and moments like that like to see live are pretty rare. So it was just it was really really cool to see. But that's all we have for St. Pius Bishop Lynch. Now we look at Houston St. Thomas versus Kincaid. And Kincaid wins this one in a shootout, 48 to 41. Uh, Cam Price, the receiver for St. Thomas, like we mentioned a lot, he goes for seven receptions, 130 yards, and two touchdowns with his touchdown passer, Jake Wright, putting up a heck of an effort, going 22 for 32 for 441 yards, which is impressive. The problem is Kincaid's offense was simply too good here. Here's the thing that, that peeves me a little bit. I couldn't find any stats yet because Kincaid hasn't put anything on max preps and there's no news articles I could find. Please, teams, put your stuff on max preps. That's what we live on and how we find stats. But, I mean, I'm assuming that Dylan Bell, that he got his in this game. I mean, the only I would think that's the only way Kincaid puts up 48 points. But, you know, I think this tells us more than anything that St. Thomas can compete as well, and they'll be a force to reckon with also in taps. So, Walker, I'll turn to you first. Houston St. Thomas, Kincaid, what do you think the takeaways are from this game in particular? I mean, I, I'm happy with – that was a close game, and I figured it was going to be. That's why it was so, like, I don't know which side I was going to be on. And luckily, I just got on the right side of it. But, I mean, those are two powerhouses always in Houston and going at it last week, and it was just a good game to check in and just see how they did. And like you said, yeah, Dylan Bell probably got his. If not him, it's probably Micah or Cam Henry on the other side. So, I mean, they just have too much talent over there, just elite talent, Division One talent. So just it it's tough for any team to face. So, no, without a doubt, uh, Kincaid. If you got someone listening to this, tell a coach or someone to put your stats in the max preps. Then we can talk about you and uh, get more exposure. But Ryan, St. Thomas, Kincaid, heck of a game. Game we all picked correctly. Actually, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean it was my moral lock. So uh, just like that to be known that I am one and zero on moral locks. And uh, what's your record, Wes? I am. I am. Um... You know, I don't think that needs to be stated. Walker, what's your record? Oh, oh um, Owen one. Ryan, I'm gonna Badly. remember. I'm gonna remember that comment when I come back to win the whole pick record. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. No, my world lock, and I'm in the top of the the record right now too. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, Dylan Bell, my dog, my Georgia Bulldog, is what I'm gonna say because yeah, I'm a Georgia boy at heart. That's where I'm from, and. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, keep him in my heart until he keep until he loses for me. To be honest with you, um, he is the SVC overall like player of the year in my mind. I'm sorry, I, you know, that's that's how I see it. Doesn't matter what stats you got, whatever. Dylan Bell's a dog, and I, I think he played really, really well um, so far of what I could see. Obviously, we don't have stats from this past weekend, um, and I agree 100 with Wes. Please, if you are a friend of the program, if you know anybody in the program. Um, just, you know, what's called, make sure that we get stats up. If, if you can't even get them to upload anything, but you have stats, just also DM them to either of us or DM it to the Texas private school podcast. Our DMS are open and we'd love to have as, uh, any stats possible for anything. Um, whether it's, whether it's any team, this is just a shout out to any team. If you have stats of anything that you want to share with us, we're welcome to DM it to us. We would rather have more information than no information at all. So, uh, anyways, good win for Kincaid and, uh, Mortal Lock are one and O. 
Yeah, I guess fun fact that Ryan is the only person that has not lost a mortal lock yet, but that will I guarantee you at some point that will that will change as the the nature of games is constantly changing. Uh, but you do bring up a good point. Um, all of our DMs are open. The private school podcast DMs are open. If you have stats and you want us to notice them or talk about them, please send it in to us because the only way we can discuss information is if we first have it in our possession. So please send it. You All of our Twitters will be somewhere, maybe in the description. Please go find us. Send us your stats. Now moving on to our me and Walker's hometown team, Brazos Christian versus Bay Area Christian. In a game that we all sadly had to pick against and pick Bay Area Christian, Bay Area only rallied late here for a 17-14 to 14 victory in a game that I honestly thought they'd win by a little bit more. You know, the underdog Brazos Christian, who obviously we unanimously picked against, they led 14-3 to three at half. Um and it looks like Brazos Christian, I mentioned, I thought that Brazos Christian would stay in this game only due to quarterback Levi Hancock. However, it looks like the only player that got snaps here was freshman Jackson Caffey. Um, I'm not sure what the deal is there. If anyone knows, please reach out to us. But that is an impressive, impressive effort by the freshman and the team as a whole to keep this game as close to it as it was. Um Obviously, our hometown team, Brazos, did all they could, but they ultimately came up short as Bay Area recovered a fumble in the end zone with four minutes and 57 seconds remaining to give them an eventual 17-14 to 14 victory. So, Walker, as this team is basically like our child, I'll turn to you first. Uh, what, what do you think of, of Brazos Christian to keep it this close against Bay Area Christian, especially while lacking their just by far their most talented player and maybe the most talented player in D4? Yeah, I was just shocked. Like, not shocked, but I think it also shows that Brazos Christian will be another team kind of like Shiner St. Paul was, all right, you got some good teams up there in Division Four that can compete. And, you know, Coach Hoffmeyer has always been a good coach over there, and he's just slowly been improving and improving and having that buy-in of that program over there. And you can now see kind of the results now with having a good team with Bay Area, who I believe – if I don't get this wrong, made it a couple rounds at least in Division Three playoffs. So you see the progression. And, yeah, a little different not seeing Hancock out there. Maybe don't know what that's all about. But, um, yeah, I think it shows the, you know, the talent they have over there for Brian Brazos Christian. And it might be tougher than Shauna St. Paul thinks going into Division Four this year. But on the other right side, Bay Area got the job done. Shout out to them. Good team, a lot of good guys over there. So yeah. Oh, if somehow if, if if Brazos Christian makes their way deep into the playoffs or into state, I'm going to lose my mind. Obviously, I'm not going to play favorites here, but it'd be really, really cool to see that program that started pretty much from the gutter uh, really, really improve in that way. Um, Ryan, Brazos Christian, Bay Area Christian. Now you got a little bit, uh, you got a little bit less of a dog in the fight here. So I'll, I'll turn to a completely neutral party to to talk about this game. I had less of a dog in the fight, and I still, I would never pick against my hometown team. You may have been right, but I would never, 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 never. No, I'm playing. Uh, I pick against Legacy all the time, so I can't really talk. Uh, but no, honestly, y'all, I, I honestly think that Brazos Christian, I, I would love to know what happened to Levi Hancock. Um, so yeah, if y'all have any information, please send it our way. But um, great job by the freshman. In all reality, if you want to, if you really want to talk about it, uh, Jackson Caffey, or however you say that, um, 
Great job for him. I mean, he literally led this team, assuming assuming that he was the one that was playing quarterback the whole game. He was the one uh, that basically had the 14-3 lead. And I, I, I don't really know what happened, but um, I would I would love for, you know, just to, just to see him play better if, you know, Levi Hancock got hurt or whatever happened. I would love to see Jackson get more snaps. And, I mean, by the end of senior year, if he's still with Brazos Christian, this man may be a dog, like a dog dog. So, um, I don't really know any more than that at the moment, but yeah, no, Barry Christian, Brazos Christian, man, you know what? Didn't think it was going to be that close if I'm being honest with you. No, hundred percent. And now we have to move on to a game that I've been putting off for as long as possible because we were, oh, so very wrong about Fort Bend Christian versus Houston St. John's, uh, you know, hand, hand on my heart. I think I might have made a comment along the lines that, quote or unquote, I don't see Fort Bend Christian losing to a middle-of-the-road SBC team like St. John's. Um, well, in short, St. John's pulled off a stunner here with a 34-33 to win that we all got very wrong, as I mentioned. Uh, the Mavericks were led by uh, senior quarterback John Perdue, both in the air and on the ground here, where he had 198 yards and 123 yards, respectively, both those categories. Uh, freshman Cole Allen contributed three of the Mavericks' touchdowns, actually, two of them coming through the air and one on the ground. So, I mean, to John Perdue, to Cole Allen, and to the rest of the Houston St. John's team, you're not going to hear me say this a lot on this podcast, so savor it. I was very wrong and I apologize. Um, I just, we, we all straight up got this, this one wrong. Fort Bend Christian has been very good in the past. Um, I didn't see a lot of information that told me St. John's was going to run with them and they did and they beat them. And I'm a man. I'll admit when I'm wrong, Walker, will you do the same? Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I saw like looking into them, I knew they had talent. But with an offense like Fort Bend had the past couple of weeks that put up so many points, I was like, there's no way they don't. And with the talent they have over there, I was like, all right, that's how it is. But, I mean, shout out them. You know, it kind of proves, like, it, you know, we saw the L's. We, we saw all of it. And, yeah, I mean, we were wrong. Shout out, shout out y'all, man. You proved us wrong. And, I mean, that's what you want in a team. You know, going against adversity, all that. So. Oh, hundred percent. If I, I know for a fact, if I, um, when I was playing, if a podcast or some news source picked against me and I proved them wrong, I would harass them nonstop. So I think, I think it's fun. I, I, I love the interaction oh, that we yeah. get with teams, especially when we're wrong. I mean, if we're wrong about something, come chirp us, please. It makes for great engagement and great content at the end of the day. Uh, Ryan, um, we we've entered it all we can your, your thoughts on st john's proving us all wrong okay well, let's be honest here for for myself only and i i didn't know any better you're not, i didn't you're not know your way out of no hold on, hold, on, hold on i didn't know any better i picked the game based off of the fact they had already beat another st john's mm. that was my logic so let it be known i was wrong but i was i was only wrong because apparently the other st john's led me down a wrong path but yeah no i'm sorry and uh yeah let's take these l's uh as they were given to us um uh but no funny i love it i love the interaction and i love y'all commenting on our post it really 
um, it really makes it, you know, more fun for us. So anytime you ever want to comment or you ever want to say anything, feel free. We're here to listen. And it honestly makes our job a lot more fun. And it makes my uh, Saturday mornings a lot more fun, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, no, honestly, good game for uh, Houston St. John's. And I would love for them to keep putting up numbers like this. I've heard Fort Pitt Christian has been good for a while. But, um, you know, Houston St. John's, if y'all are on the come up, y'all are on the come up. So, yeah, let, let me be shocked. Let me be shocked more often. Let me get more else is what I'll say. It wasn't one of the comments of the triple Fort Wayne Christian pick was a death sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah I top, love that. It's like the I top comment. It's I was like, like oh it's like God. whenever it's like whenever those screenshots come out of college game day when like all six guys pick one team and it's just always completely wrong. I love oh, yeah. it. Yeah. But I mean, granted. At the end of the day, shout out St. John's. Uh, I love the interaction. Keep proving us wrong. We'll definitely have our eyes on y'all moving forward. Now we have a little buffer zone between this and our upcoming picks in terms of other news. Something that actually was brought to me this morning that I had to cover. Um, obviously, it's from Tyler, so it's close to home for me. I just wanted to talk about it. Um, I was sent a text from a source that said, did you hear about the Brook Hill game last week? Which I replied, No. And they said the story, um, Brookhill got escorted off the field by police. The other team was, quote, unquote, threatening them. Said, yes, the other coach called the police because this coach couldn't control his players. Apparently, quote, unquote, a Brookhill player knocked one of their players into the stands because they have a very short sidelines. That spurred threats. And apparently the Brookhill uh, football players got on the bus with their helmets because they were, they were literally scared for the kids' safety. Um, I looked it up and I knew who they play. That game was against Tenaha. Tenaha is one of those little podunk towns in Texas that all they have is football. So it doesn't really surprise me that it got testy really fast. So being the investigative journalist I am, I DM'd um, some, I, I, I told him I would um, keep his um, anonymity. I think that's the right word. And I DM'd him. It was someone associated with the Brook Hill football program. And I was like, hey, uh, I heard there was a scuffle between y'all and Tenahaw. I just wanted to get the story right. And he was like, he's like, what did you hear? And he was like, quote, unquote, blocked a kid and drove him into the sidelines. And he hit the fence and got a little banged up. And the opponent and the other team got upset. So they threatened to fight us and we got escorted out by the police. So, I mean, just I genuinely thought that was really, really interesting and thought I might as well cover it. You don't really see people getting like, like, threatened physically like not just like in a on a football field but like outside of football something that doesn't happen a lot something that really has no place in football but it's taboo and we need to talk about it so i just i thought it was interesting if either of y'all want to add any comments to it just go ahead uh all i was gonna say is they're going to frisco now so uh oh yeah i think there will be a lot more fighting in frisco uh (laughs) yeah i don't really think those lazy kids are much of a fighter but that's all i'll say um uh never mind i, I don't need yeah there you go i don't know i don't know i don't know enough of the story i, I really know really what happened but honestly you know if you have to get escorted by the police off the field with your helmets on i don't really know if it's really that worth it you won by 10 points just get out of there like you know it, you don't need for any of that and you definitely don't need to do that in a town that obviously you said um all they have is football, so they were Tenno Hall does in fact love their football. Walker, any just like quick thoughts on on the Brook Hill scuffle? I mean, I, there's, I, I, you know, I've watched fights on fields, and I like I'm all for for like physical football. You won't see me be like, oh, that's that's you know, I don't like that. I mean, 
a fight like that might be pushing it a little bit. And I don't think that's something you need for the game. You know, the game's still a game, uh, all, all that you always hear, but um, yeah, that that's like you said, that's just very, very interesting. And I was trying to look into it as well. Like, yeah, is that, I mean, shout out to you for being a little investigative journalist, yeah, but no, yeah. No, 100%, 100%. Oh, I, I, I 100% needed to know what actually happened. And plus it, it's Tyler stuff. That's my domain. I figured I might yeah. as well ask since I know some of the guys down there, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. I will say, um, I hated Brooke Hill with every fire of my being growing up, going to grace, um, Coach Ryle, the head coach there, I really genuinely like. Once I got to sit down with him and talk to him this summer and when I interviewed their program, um, I think that he has a very good grip on that program. I did, by all that I heard, and trust me, I'm never going to give Brooke Hill any leeway just because of – just well, I say that. I will now. I used to wouldn't have. But I don't think it was on Brooke Hill for all this. And I do really like what Coach Ryle's doing with that program. So, I mean, that's just – it's not a huge story, but it's something I thought we might as well cover. And really quickly before we get into the games, another thing I wanted to cover was Fort Worth Christian has started 0-3. Is it time to hit the panic button there? You know, they started – I mentioned 0-3. They lost to Cypress Christian, which we thought was a huge deal when it happened because none of us expected it. Then they lost to Bishop Lynch, and then they got lost to – um, ESD. Um, all of those losses, uh, at least Lynch and to ESD, were by about 20 points. So, Walker, do you think it's time to hit the panic button before they hit district up in Fort Worth? I don't know. It's it's a very interesting question. Like, your Brook Hill was kind of my Fort Worth Christian. Never liked this school. <laughs> so, in a part of me, kind of happy seeing this team ha- 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 go down the way it is. But the thing about it is, is that they're still scoring. Like this last game with ESD, it was 48-24. And the quarterback, Hogan Nelson, he went 24-38, 382, and two touchdowns. But again, like the weeks before, kind of the gunslinger attitude, he had another two picks. It's it's very interesting. Even our guy, Jacob Trimble, 11 receptions, 169 yards, and a touchdown. So their talent is getting the ball. And they're doing well with it. It's just their defense must not be there because their defense are just letting people score. And so it's it's not the panic button yet because I would say they play – like looking at the schedule of them now uh, – let me pull it up. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm pulling it up now. Cypress, I, Cypress was a game they sh- – like I thought they should have won – Bishop Lynch was a D1 team. Maybe, yeah, that's not the team you beat. And, you know, with the, how big of the score here, ESD was not a team maybe you were beat. Just like Nolan Catholic the past couple of weeks, they had a very, very challenging non-district schedule to prepare them for district. So that could be another case here because, you know, that's two teams for sure. They really they, – they were the underdogs there. But, I mean, they next game is against, I believe, what, uh, Brook Hill? Uh, not this week, but next week. And then for two more games, one of them being D.C., the rivalry that it's always there between Fourth Christian and D.C., and then again the district. It's going to be very interesting to see, like you said, how good are they? I think you have a week to prepare now, get over, get over everything, rest up, and you go into Brook Hill, should be healthy, and should be confident to fix the mistakes you've made in the past weeks. Then if you beat Brook Hill – and if you don't beat Brook Hill, 
that's when I think you start doing the panic button because then you have to go face a very, very talented Dallas Christian team. And that's going to be rough to start district. So completely agree. Uh, Ryan, quick thoughts on Fort Christian. If it is time to hit the panic button up there. Uh, I'm right with, uh, you know, Walker on this. Honestly, I think the three teams that they have already played are all pretty good teams. In my opinion, I think Cypress, Bishop Lynch, and ESD have all proven themselves to be good teams. Um, when it comes to Brook Hill, that is my true test. Um, cause you lose to Brook Hill and you're, I'm, 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 I'm going to say you're going to lose to Dallas Christian. So you're going to be on five. Your first win will be cut. will come in your first district game against my legacy Christian Academy. Um, which is sad to say, but you know, it's like, like at that point, it's going to be two, two, like, you know, teams that have not won a game yet playing against each other, you know, and, and that game is in. That game is actually, uh, you know, that game's up in Frisco, right? And I don't know. At that point, I just, I would even say, you know, if you're going to be losing games, especially, you know, to Brook Hill at this point, then I I really need someone to check something. Because, I mean, their defense has to, they cannot let up 40 points in back-to-back games. That is 82 points let up in two games. That is a lot. That is a lot, uh, you know, to just to do that. So, I don't know, especially you're at home against ESD and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. The part of the part of me just thinks that we need to see um, them regroup this week. Yes, they don't play um, this Friday, but they do play um, Brook Hill the Friday after. So that will be the true test, in my opinion. And um, I don't really have more else to say than that. Yeah. No, you mentioned if they lose to Brook Hill, they're losing to DC for sure. Um I don't care what they do against Brook Hill. They're losing to D.C., period. I mean, no, D.C. is just I, that much better than everyone. Yeah. But we'll see. Now that I said that, they're going to mess around and beat uh, D.C. because that's <laughs> how my picks work. But now we move into the meat and potatoes of the episode, our games of the week that we actually might need to move through relatively quickly because our time has already gone long a little bit. But we start with uh, Argyle Liberty at Dallas Parish, a game I really, really like. And in particular, I like Parish here. Mm. Say that right off the bat. Freshman quarterback Sawyer Anderson appears to be getting a longer leash from Novikov as the weeks go on. It looks like he's rounding into form. Uh, we're three games in, and the Frost still hasn't thrown a pick. Uh, like I mentioned, the the announcer jinx is very very real, and me saying that might have just uh, might have just said that he'll throw one, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, in my opinion, how Liberty rebounds from their battle with Dallas Christian last week. But, you know, I still have to give the star-studded Parish the upper hand in this one. Walker, Argyle Liberty, Dallas Parish Episcopal, your pick. You know what? Here we go. You know, it's very interesting, as I always say. I really, really, when I went and watched Parish Episcopal that first week, and I was like, this freshman can sling the ball, and I have utmost confidence for him to lead the way. So like a freshman like that has so much poise and just confidence in the pocket is you don't see that a lot, but are they, you, this will be the test because Parrish, you know, Parrish has always been a good team and they had a good win with Episcopal the first week. And then they lost to LBJ Austin and then beat Malikoff. Malikoff's I believe a three, a team who always makes a good far distance at the playoffs. And LBJ Austin also made it a very far distance. And I believe, I don't remember exactly what playoffs. I think it's 3A or 2A. Not the point. But that means they're playing good teams in 3A. So around their division. 
but I'm going to say, I'm going to be bold here, and I'm going to say Liberty. I think it showed how good this defense for Liberty is. And I think Jason Wayne got them ready to go. I'm going to go bold. I love my guys over there at Parish Episcopal. I love those guys. Coach Novikov was always a one of the first friends we had of this program, you know, a good guy, and they have a great, great team. I'm going to pick the upset here just because I think I, – I, I don't know. I just have a feeling I think maybe, hey, they got this one. So we'll see. Could definitely be wrong. And I think Sawyer Anderson could be a guy like that, could totally prove me wrong. So I love it. Uh, Ryan, the podcast is already split on this game. Uh, who are you going to side with? I'm going Parrish. Um, and I think I'm going to say it out the gate just because of the fact, like, you know, their wins have been good for me so far, 34-14 and 35-9. And the only team they lost to is currently, from what I just checked, the only team they've lost to is ranked, uh, let's say, fourth in the, in the city of Austin out of every single team. So in, in all reality, I, I can't really dog on them for losing that game. It was only a two-point loss as well. And um, from my knowledge of that game, it was also, uh, let's see, that game, yeah, no, it was just – it was just, it was such a close game. I don't really know enough about it, but I can't dog on them for losing one game, especially to a team that's in 4A UIL and obviously, you know, can grab for more guys in Austin than Dallas Parish can. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my my um, my two cents on it. I think Argyle is a great team, but I will call, you said Sawyer hasn't thrown a pick yet. I call that Sawyer's going to throw a pick in this game because of how good that Argyle Liberty defense is. I say he does throw a pick. But I think Parrish gets the win here um, just because it is Argyle Liberty. And it's not a, like a UIL team at this point because the only team that has proven to be Dallas Parrish is just a 4A UIL team. So I got Dallas Parrish. I like that. You're hedging your bets a little bit. You're, you're picking Parrish with the win outright, but that the freshman throws his first pick. I, I think that's smart. I think there's a good possibility that happens, but we'll see. I mean, that Argyle Liberty defense holding D.C. to seven points is legit. Now we move on to Fort Worth All Saints at Prestonwood, a game that I like a lot. And here's some context. Fort Worth All Saints is coming into the game at one and one after opening the season with two out of state games. Uh, the first being a 36 to 17 loss at the hands of Holland Hall out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a program Ryan's probably familiar with from covering that. Ryan, real quick, do you know anything about Holland Hall? Actually, funnily enough, I have one of my friends who goes to school here who actually went to school at Holland Hall. Um, I don't know. I think he played basketball there instead of football. But that is funny you say that because, yeah, I mean, I got two buddies that are out in the living room right now that went to school in Tulsa um, and know a lot about Holland Hall, I'm guessing, just because it's right down the street from them. So, um, yeah, no. Uh, I will say um, Oklahoma high school football is not the same as Texas in any capacity um, at all. I'm just going to make that very clear. Um, and I'll also say that if it's 3A, it's kind of getting close to the bottom of the barrel, too, by the way, just because, you know, those 2A and 1A and 3A are really not that great. And 6A and 5A are really where all the powerhouses are in Oklahoma. So take that as you will for a 3A team. Interesting. I like the context there from a guy that covered uh, Oklahoma high school football last year. So there's just some there. There's some information that's needed to his background. But, I mean, they lost 36-17 to to Holland Hall. 
but they were they were 2020 state champions in 3A. So there's a little bit of conflicting information on both sides. The second game was a 38 to 28 win against Archbishop Stepanak out of New York, which is a prep school up there. So Fort Worth All Saints has been traveling everywhere apparently. But as for Preston Wood, they come in at two and one with an impressive 55 to 51 win against UIL 6A Coppell, which we mentioned and we raved about, and a 49 to 21 loss against another UIL 6A in the hands of Garland High. Um, I'll just say um, I like Preston Wood here, but I think it's close. I mean, there's this is another game that I think you could flip both ways on. Both these teams have obviously tested themselves immensely uh, in non-district so far, just going everywhere to play. But in terms of Preston Wood, I think quarterback McGuire Martin is going to be looking for his top two receivers and senior Nathan Stafford and junior Derek Esbuyo uh, a lot. I probably butchered that. But I think this offense rebounds nicely after last week. Give me Preston Wood against Fort Worth All Saints. Walker, again, another close game that I think you could honestly go both ways on. Who do you pick? Looking at this, All Saints – my neck of the woods have always been a powerhouse in division uh, division one SBC back in the day. They've always been it. And they lost a lot, lost a lot, uh, losing probably the big biggest group of seniors besides probably parish last year. Um, and just, just true talent having the Brockenmeyers leave, Hamp Faye leaving Monte Dawson leaving a lot of guys who are leaving. So they're a young squad, but they do have talent. Don't get it twisted. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Prestonwood. I think I'm gonna go ride with like ride with you. I think Prestonwood's just a little bit too talented for All Saints, but I do think if All Saints puts it together, I think they have a shot this year. I think they could shock a lot of people, and they could shock me with this pick for sure. So we'll end up and just see how it goes. Ryan, are you gonna split the podcast? Or are we going all chips in on Prestonwood here? I mean, I'm telling y'all, I've been set on Prestonwood, and I think I am going to ride with them here. Honestly, y'all, if I had to say it, I think Prestonwood is the best school in private school right now, if I'm being completely honest. It is – there is really, in my mind – I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about to call them, you know, when it comes to the UIL teams and stuff like that, the Jesuit teams. I don't know enough about that to talk. But out of all just the other private school teams, I have Prestonwood at the top of my list right now. There's no one better than that school. And I honestly think that this All Saints game, they're going to win by two touchdowns. And I, I think you can book me on that. You can write it in and you can you can print it out and you can do whatever you want with it, honestly. I think Prestonwood wins this game and it's at Prestonwood. They've had fans come out to a lot of their games, from my knowledge, just because I have friends that went to Prestonwood. And I, I know that they pack out their entire stadium every week. They have a lot of heritage there. Um, for what I know. So, yeah, no, I love, love this offense for Preston Wood. And honestly, I think McGuire and Martin with his stud receivers are just going to take over and they're going to beat four with all Saints by at least two touchdowns. And I yeah, want to no, say one thing. I finally found the, uh, I want to say one thing before we go into the next topic is that the quarterback situation over at All Saints Episcopal is very interesting. You know, last year they had Robert Sanders back up Hamp Fay. And but he played defense last year, and then behind him it was supposed to be a quarterback battle between ha him and Haas uh, Hengi. I don't know exactly how you say his last name. Apologies, but I thought it was going to be Robert who was going to be the signal caller for them. 
But this year, I guess he stayed at defense and not moved over. And then Haas transferred to Alito. I've now looked into it. And now Parker Clark is now the quarterback over there at Parish, uh, at, uh, at All Saints Episcopal. Uh, that he came from Flower Mound this past year, I guess, in this offseason. Um, and looking into him, kid can play. So, I mean, you got another good quarterback over there at All Saints. Who would have thought? But, um, yeah, look for them to make some noise with this new kid there with all the weapons they have there. So, Yeah, that's super interesting. I think Fort All Saints is a program that's built to where – you can plug in almost anyone at quarterback. I'm not discounting the quarterback, but you can plug in a lot of people there and the coaching, the scheme and the athletes around them will still allow them to be very successful. So it'll be interesting to see how that situation develops going. Let me say this real quick about Preston Wood. Um, don't, don't let that Garland high, uh, you know, that, that, that loss. Oh, yeah, no. Cause that Garland team is insanely good. They got a wide receiver who is incredible. I Do you know – what's his name, Walker? Now you put me on the spot. I know who you're talking about. He's going to SMU. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, it, not the It's point. okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. All I want to say is that Garland team is incredible. They are really, really, really good. And I have no problem with Preston Wood losing to them. I honestly think that they put up as much of a fight as I would want from any private school team to do or any TAPS team or whatever to put up against um, a UIL 6A Garland team. So yeah. that's all I got to say. Yeah, they have him, Jordan Hudson over there, who was first committed to OU. I just remembered on top of my head. Uh-huh. The OU commit at wide receiver transferred. not He decommitted and then committed to SMU. And also a guy who you don't you haven't mentioned is the safety over there, also at Garland, also named Chance Biddle, who's also going to SMU. Basically, SMU, those two guys, they got absolutely steals in. Those are guys that Alabama AM were looking at, and they decided to stay local and go to SMU. So SMU got steals there. Shout out to them. I think SMU's doing great. I've already talked about that. But yeah, that was a tough team to play with those two guys high high elite like top 150 players in the nation type talent so and i love that Presswood's playing them that is going to prepare them so well for for you know all the rest of the taps talent they're going to play i love great scheduling great scheduling is all i gotta say yeah 100 percent. i think preston Wood, as we mentioned definitely has an argument as the best team in taps and i think they have a lot to back that up right now we will see how they develop as the season goes on but now we move on to Nolan Catholic at Midland Christian. And as I mentioned with All Saints Preston Wood, both of these teams have also challenged themselves in non-district as Nolan comes in at one and two with losses to Argyle and Santa Margarita out of California. What a name. Midland comes in at three and oh with wins over two different El Paso six A's, which take that as you will. They're six A's, but they're neither of them are particularly good and for a Bernie. You know, honestly, just looking at this, and again, this is a tough game. All three games we've covered up to this point, I really could go almost either way on. I think in the case of this particular game that Nolan has enough left, even after the transfers, to get it done here. Uh, I think Caleb James and Curly Thomas are going to wreak havoc up front for the Vikings. I think the, the spotlight here is on the Midland Christian offensive line to see if they can keep James and Thomas in check. Because if they can't, they're not going to get a run game going and their pass protection is going to break down in a heartbeat. So 
I think that's the key factor to look on, and I think Nolan will end up winning this game. Walker, Nolan Catholic, Midland Christian, do you think what I think? I, I That's a very interesting pick. And, you know, looking into it a little bit, you know, Midland has some dogs. River Rodriguez, real deal. One of the best over there out in West Texas. Always has always done great over there. Um, they have talent all around them. Uh, just the name a few. Uh, bah, 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 give me five, four, three, two. They've always had talent over there. You know, Joshua Cobb, the O-lineman. Cole Gunter, the DB. Uh, Jack King, the wide receiver. Brody Dickinson, who we mentioned last week. Um, a lot of those guys are very, very talented players. And it's, it's going to be interesting. They lost Chris Braswell the big six, four wide receiver, but they do have talent. No one, we talked about them week one, another great team, have the guys, young team. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up and I'm going to go, I'm going to go Midland Christian because I, I, I want to see it because like you said, also Nolan Catholic probably may, had the, one of the toughest out of district, uh, just like game scheduled in any private school team. And I really respected that. Like what team, what other team really would go to Cali and go fly all that, have a great time, let those kids have an experience, like no other going to Cali and go play a game like they did. That's amazing, amazing opportunity. Nolan Catholic has dudes. They have a young team, but I just think this little older Midland Christian team will be just too tough. And I could be wrong, but yeah, I'm going to go with Midland on this one. I like it a lot. I mean, we, we're going to have a lot of separation come this weekend with pick records. Ryan, yet again, you have a split decision on Nolan Midland. Who Whose back are you taking here? Yeah, I, I love the wins that Midland's been able to get and stuff like that. But um, I I just – I don't know. I, I'm sorry. These just don't look good enough to me at this point. And I realize that, you know, I, all the talent you described at Midland, but – um, no, no one Catholic has lost to a California team and Argyle, who's the number one team in 4A right now. So I, I really can't like look at it and say that they have losses to teams that are like horrible. You know what I'm saying? Like these teams are obviously great teams and they put up good amount of numbers on stuff like that. I mean, they're playing teams, bro. They played an Arkansas team. They're playing a California team and they played Argyle. I love knowing Catholic going outside the bubble. just like, you know, Preston was trying to do too, trying not to just, you know, stack taps games over and over and over again. I, I, I think that's good for private school football. Um, you know, I think it's a turning point. And I, and I, and I realized that they are taking that drive that everyone hates going out to Midland. So, you know, that's always a factor and everything. But uh, I don't see Nolan Cafo losing this game. I think they're going to be able to go two and two. I think Midland Christian gets their first loss. So, yeah, give me Nolan Catholic. Hey, Midland at home is a different breed, though. Like we said in the summer, Midland at home in that stadium with that crowd, that's tough to beat. That's tough to beat, man. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't even factor them driving to Midland in my decision. And I'm going to stick with Nolan Catholic. But that makes it a lot closer in my mind. I have also – 
I have taken the death march out to Midland for a playoff game my junior year. It's not fun, especially after getting beat by 20 and driving all the way back on a rickety old bus. It's, it's not a fun time. That trip will zap the energy out of you. So it'll be interesting to see if Nolan can pull it off at Midland Christian. I think that'll be a very, very big deal for them. Um, now we look at Southwest Christian at Episcopal School of Dallas. And Walker, I would be doing it injustice not to let you intro this. It is your alma mater. So, so take it away. And what are we looking at here? Oh, yeah. I finally get to talk about my high school a little bit. Shout out them. Great people over there. Uh, last week, they had a great win over Oak Ridge. And I'm still going to talk about both teams, so don't worry. But Southwest Christian, Jeremy Flowers has been there for a couple of years now, at least, what, five, five-ish years? And he's done a, just a great job of overturning this program and just instilling toughness and just great, great coaching. And the coaching staff around him has developed these kids and played them in the offensive style that fits this school, which I'm very happy about. You know, they're led by Rice Commit, Tyson Flowers. Shout out him going to Rice. Think that's a big deal for him. Seeing him grow up is awesome. Uh, Mark Simons, uh, transfer Antoine Polk, John Talpit, Hunter Sage, Drew Verduris, and there's many more other guys that I really want to mention, but, you know, got to keep it short and sweet. Um, on the other side, we talk about him a lot. Chase Kennedy, Ryan Aysworth, Carter Hogg, Patrick Burke, all those guys are very, t- very talented players. This is going to be interesting because, you know, you know, ESD has had a great season so far and they, they have showed toughness in a lot of those teams and they're showing that they're the real deal. And so was Christian on the other hand, might have not have played as tough of a past three games, but they are three and zero and they've showed dominance in every single game. That defense has locked down a lot of those teams, which I'm very, very impressed with. So what's going to be interesting to see is how this team matches up. I, I don't think it's – I think it's just going to be a close game for my Eagles. I'm, of course, going to pick Silas Christian just because they're on my, my alma mater and I'm not going against them. But it's going to be very, very interesting because this is probably the toughest team they're going to face out of non out of, in non-district play. And it's going to be very interesting to see how good this Silas Christian team is really, really, really is. And ESD is going to be a tough test for them, so – no, I, I think you bring up a lot of good points there. And I'd be I'd be very surprised if you picked against your alma mater, especially in a close game like I this. Also, I also want to shout out the other guy who came in, uh, Tanner Zeman. Uh, he, that kid's a dog. A kid from Brock, the same high school where Chris Powell Freeman transferred to All Saints. He transferred to Salas Christian. And last, last game he put up 29 carries, 141 yards, and a touchdown. They that him and Antoine Polk in that backfield is just something serious. And then you add in Tyson Flowers, that triple threat is dangerous in that offense. No, I, I think you bring up a lot of good points. Ryan, you just heard everything that uh that Walker had to say previewing Southwest Christian at Episcopal School of Dallas. What do, what do you think here? No, I respect the the vote for Southwest Christian and I respect the fact that you're going with your alma mater. I cannot say the same for my alma mater at this point. Um, and I don't know what Wes thinks it for his alma mater, but I think we're just having tough football seasons for us is all I got to say. Um, but no, you know what? I, I would love for Southwest Christian just to be some dogs in this and stuff like that. But ESD has really not shown me any reason to doubt them at this point either. I mean, I, I really think ESD has played really, really well against a variety of teams. 
Um, this is, I mean, guys, if you really want a week where it's been really toss up for every single game, this is the week. Um, and you're going to see a lot of differences between me and Walker for a lot of games. And here's another one for you. I'm picking ESD. Um, and, and I would love for Southwest Christian to get this win and I want them to prove me wrong. Um, but yeah, I'm going to ride the SBC back here and I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let, uh, Southwest Christian prove me wrong. And that's my hope at this point, but I have ESD. Now I walk into a situation where the podcast is split and I have to take a side. And, um, I, I think Walker did a pretty good job convincing me of all the talent Southwest Christian has. Uh, I, See, the thing is, I couldn't get a lot of information on these schools because I don't think either of them have really played anyone of note yet. And I, the way I really compare teams when I start getting to take common opponents and look at them that way, not really a great opportunity to do that here. Um, I have been listening to you talk about Southwest Christian the whole offseason, everyone they've gotten. I do think they're going to be very talented this year. I do think they're poised for a good run in taps division two into the playoffs we'll see when the time comes as for this game in a vacuum give me southwest christian on yet another game that splits the podcast and the the pick records after this week are finna look real interesting someone might be gunning for ryan's top spot we'll see we'll see if we get there i think one matchup i'm going to be interested in watching is john talpit he's probably our best young lineman and we've had in recent years and him versus chase kennedy that's going to be a very, very interesting matchup to watch. Yeah, I completely watch, agree. Watch the trenches, y'all. Watch the trenches. There's stuff happening down there, and you got to give respect to the linemen. As Greg Tepper said, you can't get starry-eyed over the receivers. A lot of the work goes on in the trenches, and that was, was incredibly well-stated. Yep, it was incredibly well-stated. And now we stumble into our final game of the episode, a game that – I'll just say it. it's Cypress Christian at Houston Second Baptist. Why on earth do I keep having to be placed in these situations? I've said very publicly um, that I will not bet against Chris Hogan and Cypress again. Clearly, I didn't take a good enough look at their schedule. Here's the problem. I'm still really high on Houston Second Baptist with Eli Smith and especially Everett Skiller, who I loved watching in person. <sighs> Cypress is also coming off of what I would call a pretty bad loss, 20-14, to 14, to John Cooper, which is a team I thought they should have beat. <sighs> you can see the anguish on my face because everyone knows what I'm about to do again. The Cypress Christians' dads that chirp me on Twitter are going to chirp me again when I'm wrong. Lord, I have to do it again. Uh, I have to take Houston Second Baptist here. There's just there's no way I can justify to myself taking Cypress. Um, I hate this because now I know for a fact Cypress is going to come out and beat Second Baptist. So in a roundabout way, Cypress – you're welcome for me picking second Baptist because it probably means you're going to win. But as for this game in a nutshell, and I got to look at Cypress's schedule in detail after this, make sure this is the last time I pick against them, but give me second Baptist, Chris Hogan. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Walker, your thoughts on this game that has ripped my soul from its body. It's another, like that. this is going to be an interesting game. And, um, Ah man, it's it's a tough. That's this is going to be a very very good game, and it's going to show how good Cypress Christian is. You know they face Kincaid or sorry, 
they face other good Houston teams, but they have to face another good Houston second Baptist team. But I have faith in coach Pirtle and, you know, I lost my mortal lock last week, but I'm going to go my mortal lock being second Baptist here again. I think second Baptist is going to win and that is going to be my mortal lock of the week. There you go. Let's end it on a good note. Let's go, baby. Love high school football. That ter- that terrifies me. I will never put a mortal lock against Chris Hogan, and hopefully that doesn't put some weird voodoo curse on us. But Ryan, with still his mouth agape, uh, your your thoughts on on this? I'm so scared. Okay. Um. Yeah, dude. Cypress Christian is gonna rip our butts here because I'm picking Houston Second Baptist. Oh no. Um. um Y'all ready for them L's in the comments is all I got to say. If you've watched long enough in this episode to get to this point, give us our L's, okay? Like, I don't care at this point. You you deserve it. I, Damn, bro. It's so hard. I love Chris Hogan. I am the number one biggest Chris Hogan fan here. Y'all, y'all probably have realized that at this point. Yep. Um, and, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to pick against them. I, I have Houston Second Baptist. And – you know, it's it's just because at this point I've realized Fort Worth Christian is not a good team, um, and I've realized Shiner St. Paul is is probably not one of the best teams in the world, and I and I'm kind of realizing that the like Cooper John Cooper School is also not an insanely good team. They have not had a win yet that has truly convinced me against the top team that they are you know of that level. You beat Second Baptist, you win me over. I'm sorry, that's that's my that's my thing, but. Oh my God, Walter! You put a mortal lock on Second Baptist. No, that, I, I, a, that, I, I don't know if that's yeah. I don't know if how that works, but anyways, I like how, I like how we've all we all unanimously pick uh, uh, Second Baptist, and we all know we all know Cypress is going to win. I mean, oh God, this is, this is uh, I don't know. It's terrifying, but you know, I think that's a heck of a note to end on. Uh, we'll we'll see. I will be watching the Cypress Second Baptist game with just very very close intent, just to see how badly I am wrong about this. But barring any other comments, um, you know where all of our socials are on Twitter. Like we mentioned earlier in the episode, go on. I was just gonna say, like always, send the links. Send the links to live streams is so very important. Are y'all going anywhere this week? Is what I was gonna ask. The plan um, is no. Nah, I I got if. I know you can because, okay, I have Thursdays off and I'll gladly go watch high school football on Thursdays. But I know, like, especially private school, you don't need to play on Thursdays. That's more like UIL 6A. But if y'all have a a Thursday game here and there that y'all just want to play and you could play and you have COVID scheduling, go play it on a Thursday. I'll come by and come watch it. Yeah, let let us know anything. And that's that's literally what our main message I want to get across. Guys, feel free to contact us. We're not scary people. We'll respond to anything that you have to say to us. We love the contact. Obviously we love hearing uh, great comments about anything you have to say about the podcast. Wes had that a great experience at St. Pius this past weekend. And we think we're so thankful for every um, team and every organization that, you know, or like school, whatever that, you know, welcomes, welcomes um, us into their home. It really makes us feel great about, and it makes us feel good about the, the fact that we're doing this podcast. It, it makes us feel good knowing that there are people out there that don't just click the video and then click off after five minutes. So that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, and so thank y'all um, so much for, you know, showing your support. And I, I really appreciate everyone tuning in every single episode. 
And Cypress Christian, leave those L's. I, I, I want it. I want it. I love it. I love the interaction y'all give with the podcast. That's all I got to say. No, 100%. Also, like you mentioned, thank you to the newest friends of the program, St. <laughs> Pius. Uh, I really appreciate oh, the hospitality, like I mentioned. But like I said, all of our socials will be in the description. Please, if you have any stats, comments, concerns, questions, or just really, really angry comments that you need to vent out, yes, please yes. let us know. Let's but know. as always, I have been one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tollison. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have stupendously been themselves. We will see you in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>